the best, you know, the best thing that anyone can say to me is we've got you because we really like what you do. Now do what you do. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. You know, um, if someone, if someone sends me, you know, spreadsheet of, of images they, they, they want, mm-hmm. then that makes me anxious. isn't to live forever. The goal is to create something that will. Welcome to Perspective, a podcast for wedding craves, where we sit down often with a special guest and talk about our many years of experience in the wedding industry so that you can learn from us and to help grow your wedding business. We're talking to internationally acclaimed wedding photographer Nick Tucker on today's episode. This dapper gentleman has gone from struggling writer to one of the best wedding photographers in London, with his work appearing in such publications as Hitched and Vogue. And even though Nick's work does take him you know, as far afield as Australia and Hong Kong, it seems less about the places and more about the people. I'm going to quote Nick's Instagram here. In his bio, he writes, I have photographed John Taylor, Roger Taylor, an actual Taylor, Little Mix, and puppet William Blake. Now, I actually had to look that last one up because uh, I had no idea who that was, but it's cool. <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking to Nick about his journey that led him into his journalistic editorial style, including how and when he uses Flash and so much more. So keep around. Keep around, stick around. Uh, this episode is, of course, sponsored by With Jack and for a limited time by 210 Co. But I'll go into that a little bit later in the show. However, Greg, what are we drinking? We are drinking a massive bag of coffee called Test Roast, which is from Hardlines. And it's I thought it was quite interesting when they released it because it's like their actual Test Roasts. Oh, right. They just decided to sell them. So they could be crap, they could be good, who knows? And for noobs out there who aren't into coffee, what is a test roast? Where they just get like a small batch of beans and roast them to perfect the mm-hmm. sort of flavours and stuff. Yeah, they tweak so the nuance of the, the, the flavours, right? get this poured. I've been drinking it in the office all week, so I know I like it. Oh, well, wonderful. Let's see what you think. Wonderful. And we have with us today, Nick. Hello, Nick. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, thanks for inviting me on. Uh, uh, absolutely, it's been. Uh, it will be our pleasure. Hopefully, at the end of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, let's hope so. Could all go horribly wrong. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what what have you been up to? Um, lately, well, it's the it's, obviously it's the the downtime. It's the winter season right now. So, oh, oh yeah, um, I've been up to almost nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been uh, sitting at home reading, basically, which is been it's kind of ideal. Oh, okay. What, what what kind of stuff do you tend to read on a casual basis? Assuming it is a casual um, enjoyment and not scholarly education that you're sent, setting yourself up for. Yeah, no, it's well, it's not. Yeah, it's not. I'm not um, training for anything, but it's just a kind of a wide uh, area of neuroscience. A lot at the moment, um, memoirs, uh, just random shit that kind of like leads on from the from the last book really very cool it very looks like cool. there's a pretty good selection behind you <laughs> yeah there's, there's a, there's a, there's a big shelf isn't there <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um yes is this is this like your 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 house hub is this where you like to go to just chill out and relax or is this yeah. more a, a working space for you 
this is kind of the the office slash library. This one. Um, so yeah, I do my work in here. Top shelf is fiction, nonfiction, and then the larger shelves at the bottom are all photography books. Oh yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. very cool. My wife's actually uh, an an avid reader. I I I am less so. I'll more listen to. Um, audio books or, or YouTube, yeah. but my wife, she, I think she's read about nine books last month. Nine books. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that is, that surely comes, that surely comes under the category of like a superpower. While, surely. While having three kids as well. well yes. While wow. having three kids. Um, that is impressive. That is very impressive. Uh, yeah. But she reads a lot of this kind of, um, Fantasy, fiction, um, no, non non-fiction, fa- fantasy. I, I don't know something with loads of beasts and and romance and and things That's like this. Not non-fiction. Let's so hope not. Anyway. <laughs> 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 yes. Um, but yeah, have you been reading anything, Greg? No. You no. Uh, what was it? I'm, again, I'm audiobook more so when I'm driving as well. Mm-hmm. I think what the last one I just finished was. Yeah, I, was, yeah, was I listen to a lot of audiobooks yeah. as well. I kind of, but, and I really enjoy that. That's kind of just great for sort of, you know, lying down or, or doing something else. But I, I, I kind of, you can't be turning a page, I don't think. I just really yeah. like the physicality of the book in your hand. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we've touched on this before on the show, but I have this superpower of smell. I love the smell of books. Yeah, you know, there's something. It's not a superpower. It's just the fact that I don't have a sense of smell. <laughs> yeah, everybody else does have. Power. Everybody else has you that superpower it. that you're talking about. <laughs> hey, when I caught COVID, I thought, oh my goodness, this is going to be my kryptonite. I'm going to be affected. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to be absolutely useless now. Um. Because I judge everything important in my life how's is, is smell-based. Oh, the coffee smells amazing. How, how is the coffee smelling, Greg? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny. You mentioned this is the quiet season, usually. Mm. Um, we, we got off to a, a bit of a... A bit of a bang, didn't we, Greg? Yeah, early start with first oh, yeah? wedding, first wedding mm. on the fifteenth of January. Fifteenth so, of January okay. it was a big, a very large, very large wedding. Uh, oh, nice. Well, it was. I mean, how many? Get, maybe forty-five guests. Yeah, less than fifty. Um, yeah. Le- yeah, but there yeah. seemed. To, in fact, I know there were more um, suppliers on hand at the wedding than actual guests. It was, it was massive. Well. Dancers and and bands and all sorts of cool things to f- film. So mm. they'd, yeah, they had at least they had two fifteen piece bands, and they had other performers throughout the day as well. So mm. there was at least one performer for every guest there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was mental. Wow. It, yeah, Where it was, was quite that? bizarre. Uh, that was at Glen Eagles. Mm. Um, yeah, we've shot there a couple of times, but probably nothing to this uh, scale and production wise. Um, but it is yeah. funny because we're kind of, we're kind of known for doing a lot of elopements and kind of smaller weddings. Um, it was always nice to, to, to flex that big wedding skill. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah are, I mean, know? they are different. They're, they're, they're the same, aren't they? But they're different at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I, I feel like there's more expectations with a bigger wedding. Sometimes. Yeah. But so I, I think there's more expectation, but in, but they actually can be, I think, less pressure in that there's so much going on. There's such a variety of photos. It's 
it's the it's the smaller it's the smaller weddings that can sometimes be more stressful for me if it's just four people and you need to get three or four hours worth of interesting varied photos from the same four people <laughs> yes you're just shooting a whole load of details a lots of hands yeah. some feet yeah that's right uh yeah no you're absolutely right actually and i mean there weren't any speeches at this wedding yeah so like any of the like big like high pressure moments weren't really there yeah so, it, yeah it was we- yeah very strange yeah it was a really big production for a wedding but as you say that the elements where as a filmmaker you're like okay this is stressful we've got to get good audio good video to be able to tell the story yeah for the speeches it was gone so it was like after the ceremony it was just sort of yeah just capture what's happening just just chilling get the moments yeah yeah Yeah. and we were we were working with a photographer um who was actually trying out now am i right in saying this greg he was trying out a new style and uh, sort of, yeah, sort of. And funnily enough, it's kind of like your kind of like editorial style. Um, you know, th- there's a lot of flash. Um, it, we did a lot of outside work, you know, as mm-hmm. if they were arriving at the venue and it was kind of like paparazzi kind of kind of vibe. Okay. You know? Yeah. Um, and, that, and that was uh, super for interesting. For the whole day? Um, for, yeah, for the whole day. Right. Um, and he seemed to really enjoy it. And yeah. I really enjoyed the look of the images. Um, mm. And obviously going through your profile, uh, there's something about, I, I don't exactly know what it is. And we'll talk more about um, your your work uh, a little bit later, but I don't know what it is about it. If it's more of it just feels a little bit more candid or there's almost something old school about a direct flash. You know, yeah, there and, is. and I am a videographer, so I'm not a photographer. So if I'm dumbing down term terminology, uh, please do uh, I mean, correct me. I'm completely technically inept, so uh, <laughs> I wouldn't worry about that. Awesome, that's pretty much us as well. The photographer at this Glen Eagles wedding was the couple had sort of said they wanted that 1920s Hollywood vibe and yeah. American jazz bar. So his interpretation of that was to go with that high flash type look. Mm. And yeah, it was working well. Yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, I think that's it. It, it. it does have that, you know, I mean, if you're doing a direct, of direct flash, but you're, you know, you're controlling it, obviously, you're not blasting people. But the direct flash <laughs> yeah. is how they would have, you know, shot with the old fashioned cameras and the bulbs exploding mm-hmm. on top of them in the 40s and 50s for, for those kind of club shots. So that's, yeah, yeah. that's my touchstone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder if people are out there thinking, "Oh, a videographer working with a photographer that has a lot of flash." I wonder how that was. And you know what? It was absolutely fine. Was it? I really enjoyed it. So yeah, most weddings, it's like ah, oh, it, it interferes. Like it takes you out of the moment of the visuals when you're watching a film when you mm-hmm. see a flash go off. But this couple, we, we were like, "Well, let's just lean into it and yeah, embrace the flash because." They wanted that style of look. So, mm-hmm. I mean, for the most so part, what, so I what could, does it do? What, is, was it, what does it do on video? Does it sort of strobe for you a bit if it's too much? Or yeah, you tend to get like this kind of like band of white flash uh, at, on any section of the the screen, but it's never like a full. I, I suppose it would be less noticeable if it was just a full 
one white frame. Yeah. But it's yeah. not. It's like that, that very because strange Because of the bend. shutter speed and stuff, it's yeah. half the screen goes white, half just changes color slightly. Yeah. Okay. But uh, for the most part, you can cut around it yeah. um, mm. as well. But for the moments that you can, you just, you just go with it. Yeah. And yeah. I, I know a lot of people worry about with working alongside photographers that have flash and stuff but it's really it's really not too bad as long as you um embrace well, I guess it really it's not... the expectations of the of the couple isn't it if they if, they, if they've yeah. asked for that style then you're safe yourself knowing that you're kind of recording the style that they asked for yeah yes definitely. yeah yeah um i actually made a friend that wedding uh <laughs> what did she call me her paisley pal her Paisley pal, because I was so wearing a wearing lot of... Paisley, you're, you're from Paisley. Oh, no. I, I did study in Paisley, but <laughs> my, my goodness. I, I I wasn't actually wearing Paisley, but I was wearing a very busy floral shirt. So, okay, nice. Yeah, but but she was she was Paisley all over the place. Yeah, but you wear Paisley <laughs> as well, don't you? Every, every, yeah, I, do. well, I love it. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say <laughs> most images I, I, I see you online, uh, even the one that you sent over for our social media had Paisley, and I was like, "Yes, I like <laughs> that style. It's good. It's good." <laughs> but tell us, tell us a bit more about that that line from your Instagram bio that Simon quoted: the John Taylor, Roger Taylor, and so on. An actual Taylor. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. No. I mean, it's just. I mean, you know, you, when you photograph, you photograph so many random things. It's hard to you know, compress it into a little blurb. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've, I have, I photograph John Taylor of Duran Duran, um, sort of party for him. Um, twice I photographed, um, Roger Taylor's kids, 21st birthday parties. Um, yeah, back in the day I photographed, um, New and Lingwood, uh, which is an old, very old tailor on German street in London. Um, and then randomly little mix and then even more randomly, um, I shot, um, some photos for John Higgs, who's an amazing author. And he'd just written a book on William Blake and what William Blake means now. Um, just an extraordinary book. Um, he also wrote a really good book about the KLF, which I, which I actually, I thoroughly recommend. Um, but yeah, he'd, he'd had a puppet, William Blake, made for his sort of promotional tour of the book. But puppet makers being, I guess, an even more eccentric wing of the creative, um, you know, creative arts, the puppet wasn't ready in time for the promotional tour. So we just ended up <clears throat> randomly going around Brighton, shooting him with a, with his Blake puppet for, no real reason. <laughs> <laughs> it was that. I mean, that sounds like a pretty strange shoot to have, but pretty cool. I, I imagine it was a strange shoot, except for the it, it, it took place in Brighton, um, mm-hmm. and everyone just walked past, going, "Yeah, it's Brighton, isn't it? That's what happens yeah, here." That, that, <laughs> yeah, that's that's normal. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, did did you have like mock poses for for the for the puppet? Well, the puppet <laughs> hosed as much as it could be stopped from stop falling over. I guess like a yeah, yeah. baby shoot, basically. Yeah, <laughs> it's fairly floppy puppet. So uh, yeah, that was it was um, wasn't a wide range of poses it could do, but we got there. Yeah. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, 
I I'm not sure if you know this individual. Um, he's a YouTuber. He's been on the the podcast before. His name's Eric Floberg, um, and he made a interesting video recently about um, how constant stimulus from like mm-hmm. media was ruining his creativity. And I think yeah. the focus was like his phone or his TV or um, whatever it was. Um, and basically alluded to essentially uh, being bored lets your mind be creative. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? Because I can't even remember the last time I was bored and allowed yeah. myself to be creative. I think that's absolutely true. Um mm. It's completely true. I think there. I think they are. You know, there, there are studies now that that really that um, show that boredom is fundamental to the creative process because the brain isn't preoccupied. It's not engaged with something else. It has to make its own entertainment, um, mm. which is where you know creativity comes from. Um, and yeah, and I do worry that that you know increasingly that that just that's not that's not a go-to place for the brain because, you know, we can always be on our phones at least, if not our computers, mm-hmm. if not any number of channels on TV or YouTube. Um, and, yeah, I think, yeah, I think I, I do think, you know, where ideas germinate is, is through want of nothing better to do seemingly until you kind of go, oh, okay, wow, this, this yeah. is important. So I completely mm-hmm. agree with him, yeah. I suppose on a side note, do, do you think everyone has that creative ability? I suppose maybe maybe they do, but maybe in their own ways. Like, I, if I was going to be creative, I would I, w- I would start thinking about oh, what kind of what kind of video could I do? How could I write something? How could I, you know, yeah, create things? Yeah, maybe not everyone's like that, but I, mean, I, I maybe do everyone think has everyone is creative, and it's and I think it's often taught out of people at school. Um, I mean, if you think, you know, yeah. all kids, all kids paint and draw and kind of create, you know, fantasy stories to play out and stuff like that. So I think we are all creative. It's just how well some of us navigate a school system that effectively requires you to be round pegs in a round hole. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. There's often, there's sort of references to the fact that when a child's left on their own, they will just draw random things with no fear and they don't have any fear of judgment. Whereas when yeah. you get to a certain age, adults start to think, oh, people think this or people feel that if I draw this random thing. Yeah. yeah. Is that good enough? Is that giving part of me away? Is that, does that live up to some kind of actually meaningless objective standard? If, if you are doing it, if you're creating for yourself, I mean, I used to write, um, I still try and write, but I used, but that was what I was doing before being a photographer. Um, and I, you know, things got close, but I, you know, I had bits and pieces, small bits and pieces published, but never the, never the novels that I wrote. Um, but I kind of, at this point now, I'm kind of thinking, well, does it matter that they didn't get published? You know, it didn't, it wouldn't change the, the object and it wouldn't change mm-hmm. what it, you know, what it sort of did for me in terms of focusing sort of attention and ideas um, so really that, that external gauge, I think is less important than we make it out to be. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Have you, 
Would you ever consider like self-publishing? Um, yep, I, I, I think I'm mean, like I would. Um, I've kind of thought about that in terms with 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 the photography, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think I don't know. I guess I'm slightly old-fashioned in that you know I'd, I'd always kind of quite like the idea of being validated by a big publishing house. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. If I if I if I wrote something and I was like, this is this is amazing. <laughs> um, why is no one publishing it? Uh, then maybe yeah I think yeah, I, I would I think there isn't a stigma about that anymore there's um, increasingly it is the way to bypass a very sort of um, kind of mired bureaucratic system so yeah I think it's fine mm. yeah mm, cool well hopefully in the future we'll see some <laughs> publications of yours yeah maybe maybe yeah <laughs> um, so before we move on I just want to do um, a little uh, Patreon thing for our listeners. Um, do you want more perspective content? If so, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash perspective by Cinemate. You can sign up for as little as a pound and you can support the podcast. So please come and support us. However, let's move on. <laughs> So, in your own words, who are yes. you and what do you do? So, sorry, let's say that again. Who am I? The, yeah, the, the big question. Who are you <laughs> and what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> well, who, who am I is a bigger question than we've got time for, I think. Um, <laughs> does anyone know who they are? Um, I'm a photographer. My name's Nick Tucker. I'm a photographer specializing in events. I try not to say wedding photographer. A, because it is broader than that, and B, because I think that comes loaded with a certain set of pre-expectations, which um, I try and avoid. I don't think anyone knows who they are. You're right. <laughs> yeah. No, I, well, the, we change I, from I, day to day, from moment to moment, don't we? Yeah. I, I love it when guests go all kind of out there with their with that answer. So some, <laughs> some guests just play it. Hey, I'm a photographer. I live here. I do this and that, and I'm this and that. But yeah, <laughs> uh, quite often I'm, I'm left pondering life <laughs> sometimes at weddings I would just be like Greg do you ever think like we're alone do you think there's aliens and civilizations and <laughs> honestly it goes, it goes far beyond the realm of, of space with me sometimes yeah. so I, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry Greg I'm sorry <laughs> well, and what's, what, what's, your, what's your answer are we alone yeah are we well there's no evidence yet but um, I would say that the odds are, are slim that we are alone yeah, but um, there's no proof. So, um, yeah, I'm not going to say for sure. But yeah, but no evidence <laughs> is not evidence of nothing. There's no evidence of of nothing, and who knows? Right, <laughs> <laughs> okay, back on track. I'm oh, sorry. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> so a few moments ago, you mentioned about your previous life as a writer. So t- tell us a bit more about that and how how that then transpired into photography. Yeah, so I, I think the link between you know the 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 writer being you know writing this is the storytelling, and is looking for those moments which, you know, um, you know we we sort of we, I think people are starting to more and more say the moments between the moments, but actually the moments between the moments are still the moments, um, and you know you're always looking for something that 
you know, it reflects the day in an image um, as much as you can. And I think that's what that's what writing does. That's what the you know creating a a character or a scene does. Is it sort of it, it aims for a bigger truth, which is what we do as photographers and I guess videographers as well. Mm. You are probably going to get asked this all the time, or at least asked to tell the story. But you were a writer for the artist Banksy back when you were a, a struggling writer. I was a struggling writer apart from the very brief window where I wrote for Banksy. And, uh, yeah, that was quite a nice job. Um, <laughs> it, all, it all came about because I was buying Banksy prints and they would often, they were quite, they were quite a, you know, they're based in East London. They weren't the enterprise they are now. They were sort of smaller and more ramshackle. <laughs> yeah. And the prints would often arrive dented because they'd sent them out in cheap, shitty tubes. Um, so I kind of got <laughs> to know Steph, the girl there, um, you know, just through correspondence, you know, returning prints. And at some point she kind of said, oh, you're a writer. Would you fancy writing for us? Um, so I, I ended up writing their, their sort of like semi-regular newsletter because it would come out once a month, once every two months. And my job was to be professionally sarcastic for Banksy, basically. <laughs> Which was, yeah, fair enough, good fair fun. I, and and the, next, so how, the, next, the next question people always ask is, did you meet him? And I don't know. <laughs> they were, it was already quite yeah. a, it was already quite a sort of, you know, it was, they were all quite guarded by that point. It was already, he was already, you know, Banksy. Um, and mm-hmm. so there was an inner circle and an outer circle. And as far as I know, I only ever got as far as the outer circle. Yeah. I, I'm assuming that Banksy mm-hmm. isn't just one individual, right? I mean, this, he is point. one individual, but it's a, it's, it's a collect in, in terms of, I think the, you know, the image making it's one guy, but in terms of, okay, I mean, the entire thing, it's a collective of about, you know, 10 people. And certainly I don't think, yeah. Banksy probably hasn't put up any of his own graffiti on the walls for 10 or 15 years now. Yeah. It's, okay. it's sort of the, okay. you know, it's the, the team that goes out and does it. A bit like Damien Hirst doesn't paint his own paintings. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, now that you're, 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 you know, that, that part is, is, you know, you're out of the, the outer circle. Do you still keep up mm. with what Banksy, the artist is doing the, the, the group or, or the individual? I don't, mostly because I sold all but one of the prints that I have and um, seeing how much they go for these days is just too painful to keep up, to keep up with. So I, uh, I put my head down and pretend <laughs> that never happened. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, I, I always enjoy um, when I see stories on social media where uh, uh, a mural uh, a piece of art is, is being placed on a wall and the building's owned by a specific individual and he's just come and just removed the wall <laughs> and just yeah, sold the piece. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. oh, uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> is that in the spirit of things? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, hmm. it's certainly not in the spirit of things. Um, I mean, people have had, have had garage doors and things like that removed in the middle of the night because it's got yeah. a fancy on it. Yeah. It's quite bizarre. Yeah. Um, I don't mm. know if I can blame the individuals. It's a tough world out there for for a lot of people, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's yeah, a tough world, and, you know, and those and it does go for good money. And um, 
yeah, why, yeah, why not? Hmm. I suppose once it's been removed and sold, like if it was just to remain on the wall, I suppose time would just take it away slowly. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, mean, pretty much any on- council these days, once it realizes it has a Banksy, just puts a Perspex box around it and makes it a tourist attraction. Right. So see that that is a yeah okay I like that that's cool you're you're keeping it safe mm. but you're still keeping it in the public eye um, yeah, yeah that's cool yeah. Um, okay so so let, let's let's move on from Banksy because I could probably talk about that for the whole episode but we're not here for that <laughs> um, <laughs> were were you, were you doing photography on the side as 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 like a hobby you know when you were in that kind of writing phase or like when when did photography come into your life. Um, well, I did it badly at A level um, back in the day, okay. and um, I could, you know, dig out some photos from back then. And you would be like, "Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that as a career if I were you. That seems like a very bad idea." Because they all, they all got A level kind of photography ish kind of stuff of close ups of bicycle spokes and shadows, and it was, it was awful mostly. Um, although I did kind of do a, few, a bit of portraiture with that, um, and I, I know, which I really enjoyed looking back on it. Um, then what was mm-hmm. the trajectory? But yeah, no, then I just kind of like, I took a, I went, you know, when I went traveling as you do, um, after uni, took a camera, really enjoyed that. But then post that, I don't think I actually owned a camera for about 10 years. So it was never really, um, on the horizon as, as an alternative career route. And I kind of, even I forgot that I enjoyed it um, for a long time. It was, <laughs> but it was, it was, yeah. it was working, it was working in, in the street art. I was working for a, once the Banksy thing stopped, I started working for a, um, I guess a rival street art gallery. Um, and at one point, you know, it was, I was just given, they bought a camera to document, They you know, they would have their shows were sort of, pop-up shows of other graffiti artists. And um, so I was given a camera and I photographed opening nights and the artists going around London, putting their art up on, you know, random hackney walls. And that kind of reminded me that I actually did enjoy this, that, you know, this could be something. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Well, what was the the rival Mm. gallery? Uh, It's called Black Rat Press. It's not going in that form anymore i think it's black rap projects yeah. now um mm-hmm. but yeah it was kind of at that time when you know the banksy explosion happened people people who normally weren't into art got into art um and a lot of them got into art let's be honest because you could buy a banksy you know in the morning and sell it for five ten times that price in the evening um so it made kind of, it was it was yeah. kind of art appreciation slash entrepreneurial kind of enterprise for lots of people. But I do think mm-hmm. it gave, you know, what I, I don't, I don't love Banksy's art, but what I do think he did, he did, he was, he's kind of like the JK Rowling of the art scene. Whereas, you know, you know, the Harry Potter books got lots of kids into reading that, you know, perhaps they wouldn't have done otherwise. And I do think Banksy has got lots of people into art yeah. who may have otherwise not had that interest. Yeah. He, he, yeah. So you mentioned, you mentioned that you don't use the word the words wedding photographer to sort of talk about what you do and stuff because it's bigger than that and does sort of take yeah. more facets of 
the sort of industry. I mean, I, I will got, use that word if someone asks you to shoot their wedding. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so you've also got quite an extensive sort of fashion portfolio, street portfolio. So where, for all of your sort of photography, wedding, fashion, street, where does your influences come from then? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, they come from, I guess, all over the place. I, you know, I've got, um, got, but you know, I've got, you know, fashion photography books, street photography books, portraiture. Um, I think, I think there is no one, no one clear, you know, influence um, for an overall aesthetic. Although, um, I guess, in terms of flash, which we may come on to later you know as soon as i discovered larry fink um i was like this is what i want to do in the evenings with my photography he um he was a new new york new york photographer kind of like 60s 70s 80s um kind of you know he's shot a lot of celebrity work a lot of high-end parties and he, he he shoots with um you know an l bracketed flash that um is more or less direct and um yeah, yeah he it's just it's just that kind of that punchy old school you know um just just i think it's 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 simple and difficult you know that 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 style because you don't you don't want you don't want to blast mm-hmm. you don't want to blast the 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 room you want you want um <laughs> you want you want still want kind of like the drama of of light and shadow um, Interesting. I know. I know what you mean. No, no, yeah, yeah, you did. Um, it's interesting because we use. I mean, it's not exactly the same, but we will use a handheld light and like like we will kind of hold it in our hands while we're shooting to kind of get that kind of direct light yeah. vibe. You know, very good for like parties. I, I would obviously never do it during the day. It probably wouldn't look very good um but at parties i think yeah. it's great but you, you there's a there's a moment where you where you overdo it and you go from like this ah to this oh, and it's not yeah it's not good so yeah 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 i'm I, i'm i'm, I'm going to be asking you a little bit later again in the podcast about how you use flash um but going back to the the street um influences what what, what other street influences what other street influences do you have for for people who want to try get into flash and and see what kind of styles are out there? Who would you recommend they go look at the work of first? Um, for street, um, we're talking about. Well, street or fashion, I th- I think both styles yeah. suit quite well. Weddings, um, so yeah. yeah. For fashion, it, I mean, there's, you know, you, you can, I, I suppose it's not, it is fashion and it's not fashion. I, the, the, um, there's a female photographer, Californian, that I really love called Alex Prager. Um, uh-huh. And hers, her, her thing is a mix of, it's almost like, a, her, her stuff almost looks like a, a still from a David Lynch movie. It's quite, it's quite stylized. It's quite... Um, maybe there's a Hitchcockian element to it. It's it, it's sort of using wigs and styles of dress now to look more sort of fifties and sixties. Mm-hmm. 
Did she's she, amazing. Did she did she do a uh, an image in in like a plane? Is is that her? No, I'm trying to remember. There were images. There were. There's, I think there's a couple of images where she's got you know planes flying overhead of a model, but I'm not sure in the, in planes. But yeah, I mean maybe. Um, I'm just yeah, having. I, I'm just. Ha- I've just got my laptop here, so I'm just having a quick gander um, here. I do recognize some of these images. The 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 movie theater in particular. Yeah, I do remember. Um, yeah. yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I think she's gone from shooting Friends to sort of like really big productions where. Yeah. Jessica Chastain and George Clooney are part of the crowd. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. Um, yeah, I, rem- yeah. I remember. Tra- I remember finding her work, and um, it was because she sets up everything as like a big production. Um, and I remember being really interested in that because obviously, as wedding photographers, we don't. T- I mean, we do styled shoots sometimes, but it's not. We don't have yeah. like the grandeur of a big setup. Um, so yeah, I was really. No. I was really drawn to her work maybe a little early last year. Uh, but yeah, yeah, no, I I love her style of work. Um, let's get back to you though. So you start doing weddings and I think like yeah. many of our guests and, and many people that we know who are wedding photographers, they started with their friend's wedding. So t- tell us more about that. Um, yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I mean, pretty much that. The first wedding I was asked to do, I'd just been taking photos and putting them up on Flickr because Flickr was the thing back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. <laughs> God. And yes, someone, you know, um, someone came along and said, you know, would you shoot our wedding? Um, and I was like, hell no, that, <laughs> that's way too much pressure. Um, but I was, was, I was also invited as a guest. No. So I went along and I think I was one of those, you know, annoying guests with a professional level camera who kind of like shot stuff and, you know, hopefully didn't get in the photographer's way too much. Um, probably did because he was an arsehole. Um, <laughs> but, um, I, I, yeah, when I, when I returned, when I returned, when I, when I showed them the photos that I'd taken on the day, they said that they preferred them to, you know, the guy they paid three or 4,000 pounds for, um, whether or not mm. that was true. And they were just, or they were just kind of like being nice about my photos. I chose to believe it. Um, <laughs> and I think pretty much the next time I did a wedding, I charged for it. I, didn't really do any, didn't do too much, you know, apprenticing. Mm-hmm. I think okay. I think I assisted on two weddings and then was like, yeah, I'm a wedding photographer. Let's crack on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, w- w- when would that have been? Like a, like 15 years ago, 10, 10 years ago? Even as late as um, that? Uh, 10 or 11 years ago. Okay. Uh, quite a similar time to us, actually. Yeah. We, we had a very similar okay. approach. Yeah. We, we, we shot, yeah. we shot one. The the gay wedding that we shot at the start, was that the very first wedding, Greg? Yeah. Yeah, it was a the, so our we, first wedding was a proper booking. So we actually f- we actually did charge for the first wedding. It was through a friend of a friend. Wow, nice. It was a proper booking, yeah. But I mean it was early days, we didn't really know what we were doing, and it was just a case of <laughs> Yep, yep, we're wedding phone workers now. Uh, that's what we do. So so what was your background then? How did how were you in a position to be asked to be doing it? Uh, well Greg and I studied music technology. Um, in okay. in Paisley, um, <laughs> <laughs> the whole time, the ho- the- just walked around studying, wearing Paisley. We were in Paisley, wearing Paisley. It was awful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think bad things happen to you if you wear Paisley in Paisley. Um, 
But uh, <laughs> anyway, we we um, we did our masters, and um, our final project was um, it could be kind of anything, really. It was a very wide open. Um, course um but we both ended up doing sort of like this um music um live music um photography kind of like project. multimedia yeah se- se- separately okay. we did this um and we both we you know we passed and moved on and i think greg you did some tv work did a little bit of tv work yeah and i did nothing <laughs> I, I, I I went around the streets taking photographs, but I didn't really have an aim as to what I wanted to do. I, n- I certainly knew I didn't want to do any like studio recording or anything like that because I really didn't want to be stuck in a, a dark box. Mm. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> but um, it was maybe a year later we decided, because um, we were both kind of poor-ish at the time, um, hey, let's let's get our camera gear together and start finding uh, some work. And I think originally we worked on a very, very cheap feature film. Uh, pretty much no budget. We didn't get paid for it. It was just kind of a cool experience. Um, and then after that, we just kind of, you know, uh, well, I, I got engaged and I was like, Hey, there's no cool wedding videographers out there. Uh, let's start doing it in kind of this American style that we had kind of seen and we started doing it and, um, yeah, it kind of worked out. We, yeah, it was sort of, we chose to go into the wedding market. For, to begin with, we'd said no to weddings. Yeah. We're like, no, too much pressure. Too much pressure, and we, th- we <laughs> thought we thought that the end product was quite. It had to be quite stale and boring. Mm. But then when we realised yeah. what was sort of kicking off in America, it was like, all right, you can be a bit more creative and cinematic with weddings. Yeah. So we chose yeah. to do that and go into that industry. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, but we didn't work alongside anyone who we would describe as arseholes. <laughs> was it was was the photographer that you worked with? Was he an arsehole to you on the day, or not? Not on the day. But when I put some, I basically I had a kind of you know fledgling um, clunky website, and I put stuff up from that wedding, um, and I emailed him to say you know fully transparent. I've put this stuff up on my wedding. This is the stuff that I took. Mm-hmm. If you would like, you know, I don't know what you think of it, but if you would like, you know, ever need an assistant, this is what I did with that day. Um, and within half an hour, he'd got back to me, threatened to sue me, and he'd called the bride, threatening all kinds of shit with her. What? Um, That's madness. Which she just shrugged, she just, she just shrugged off and ignored. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was he. Yeah, he really kicked off about it. Um, hmm. That definitely falls into arseholery. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that that yeah. goes beyond yeah. just being. A That's dick more than I expected. I was expecting <laughs> just like odd looks on the day or stuff like that. No, 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 <laughs> yeah. no, no. It was kind Jesus. of yeah. No, it was all it was all after the fact. That, yeah, he, he you know, th- I think he. I was a member of the BIPP then. He threatened to call them and I guess yeah. get me kicked out. He was yeah. He went he went ballistic. Damn. Well, sorry. I, I sorry you had that name, but I actually genuinely can't remember it. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Um, so I'm actually wondering, you know, the, the, the fact that you are a writer, is, is that why you now focus on storytelling in your images? Yeah, I think, I don't, I, 
it's not a conscious decision. I think it's just what I'm drawn to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think, you know, we always talked about, you know, finding your style, looking for your style. And I, th- I think you can't, I think you can't really look for a style. It just has to be what your photos start to look like to you or to other people after, after you've kind of like settled in. Yeah. Um, but, so, but yeah, I, I guess it's just, you know, I'm interested in mood and emotion and people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess what, that was particularly true when I started out, you know, if there was maybe, you know, a bridesmaid looking melancholy on, on her own, that would be, you know, an interesting shot. I think, you know, the, these, these days, it's these days I'm kind of like, I'm quite, you know, I, I like, I like to, I like the shapes. I like the, you know, the composition of, uh-huh. um, of faces, but yeah. so I'm looking for maybe more things within one frame, but uh-huh. essentially, yeah, it's, 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 you know, I want to sort of tell stories from the day and I, but I want to do it in a way that while it looks, you know, looks like it was worth getting me to photograph someone's wedding it yeah. also looks like snapshots you know kind of like yeah like a, yeah high-end snapshots yeah and would you would you take i mean I, i'm assuming you would take that image of you know the bride there alone because we had a, a a very similar moment um not i think it was last year and one of the bridesmaids a, a key figure in the wedding was uh late and they couldn't move ahead, and the church, the the bride just waited in the church, it, not basement, but the first floor. The church was kind of up above, and uh, she was just in this hallway, sitting right in the middle of the room, and uh, chairs stacked up. And I was like, "Fuck, mm. she looks so sad right now." And I mm. and I took the, I took a video of it. Uh, it didn't make it into yeah. the film, but I just thought, man this is a moment right here and I want to capture it. It pro- yeah. I, I didn't think it would go in the film, but I just thought it's not a stereotypical wedding shot that, you know, so I'm assuming yeah. you would, you would have done the same. Yeah, I, w- I would take it. And I think I probably would deliver it, but I, th- but, but it's one, f- you know, one photo or a couple of photos in a, in a, in a mix of, you know, four or 500 mm-hmm. that, you know, that's not going to derail their experience of that collection of images. Yeah. But I, th- I, I can see why you would not necessarily feature it because mm. it's quite a dip in tone, isn't it? For, I, I mean, I, I, for I, that. yeah, I, I think if I had, if the couple had, uh, you know, it was quite a small package from us. So I only had let, I mean, less than 10 minutes which actually seems like a yeah. lot, but um, less than 10 minutes to, to get what was quite a busy wedding with lots of different things happening. Um, and I just couldn't fit that vibe into the wedding um, because nothing yeah. else around it just, you know, I, I couldn't balance that sort of tone with anything else that happened. It would be jarring, day. wouldn't it, yeah. rather than kind of like a flow. Yeah, so... I, I mean, I would have, I absolutely would have done that. Um, I, I, I put things in weddings that don't, I put things in our films that really don't belong in a wedding film, but I like mm. them. Um, yeah. So yeah. Um, quick question though. A lot of people describe themselves as storytellers. And when you 
ask them, they come at it like a cinematographer's point of view, storyteller. I mean, we know a lot of yeah. filmmakers, so that's that makes sense. But I mean, photographers. And they'll talk about their gallery being storytelling. Now, yeah. as a photographer, it's really interesting to think, oh, they're talking about the final layout. That's cool. Yeah. But your images and a few others that I really enjoy have this kind of like, I'm going to tell a story in a frame. Mm. You know, is, mm. is that what you attempt to do? Tell a story in a frame? Or do you think, hey, I'm a storyteller, so things as I display them need to have a sort of cinema quality to them? I mean, if I guess that makes you've sense. Got the, you've, you know, you've got, you've naturally got the narrative arc of the day simply by photographing throughout the day. So that, mm-hmm. that's kind of, that's the storytelling almost taking care of itself simply by it being the event that it is. Yeah. Um, so within that, I think, yeah, I, what I want to be doing is, yeah, looking for, I'm not, yeah, I'm not a fan of, of, um, you know, I think you know, so there's, you know. There's some the wedding photography, which is basically portraiture. You know, um, throughout the day, you know, headshots or you know, cl- you know, relative close-ups of just one person. And I don't, I don't find that particularly interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's what I. I mean, it's. I noticed the sort of shift as I, you know, as I did this and I went along. I think I did do that at the beginning. Um, maybe just have some, you know, one or two people in the frame. Mm -hmm. But I think the more you do it, the more your brain kind of goes, okay, tick those boxes. Now what's going off in the, you know, the top hand corner, you know, let's bring that in and let's, you know, let's, um, let's see what's going on around the, the person that may be, maybe the focus, but they they may, you know, that they're, they're, that, you know, you contextualize them more. Um, Mm -hmm by going a little bit wider and that creates that sense of um, story in, in a frame. Yeah. Now that you mention it, your images are very busy and I, I like that. They're not just mm. like, I mean, oh, I'm assuming you do do some portraiture of just like a person, but a lot of your work is so busy. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. That's just, and that's, I mean, that's, I mean, it's just, I think naturally what I've gravitated towards is, you know, I shoot wide, I sh- you know, I'm shooting, you know, 28 to 24 mil. Um, I'm shooting, you know, sort of around F8, something like that. So okay. there's, so lots of it's, you know, in detail um, because I, I do think that the people in the background quite often, I think if you frame it right, people can, you know, the, people looking at the image know what the central focus is. Mm-hmm. But so, but if, but then, you know, the, 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 the elements around, around the sides, you know, um, you know, you can have, you know, you know, someone smiling in the foreground and, you know, someone trying to catch their child from, you know, running out of the, you know, in the background, yeah. and, you know, it's just a, it just creates an, an energy and a sense of, a moment um, that you wouldn't get by going too close in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know? Do you know what I like? So, I mean, this isn't anything to do with photography, but I love people watching. 
You know, if I'm if I'm mm-hmm. like in a cafe or um, having a coffee, I'll look out the window and I'll just watch some people for a little bit. Um, I really enjoy doing that with some of your images <laughs> because I'm because you shoot um, at like at F eight. You can see the people in the background, so I'm like, mm. "What's he? What's he doing over there?" And then I'm and I'm yeah. I'm looking through. Oh, there there he is again. What's he doing now? Oh, he's he's come closer. Oh, he's <laughs> wanting some of this action here, uh, and it's just it's just really interesting to see because you like so many people will shoot with such a shallow depth of field. It's so interesting that you don't that you use your flash to to separate the distance. To, to and from the camera rather than yeah. focus. Um, yeah. So it's, it's really cool. Yeah. No, yeah. I th- I, you know, um, yes. What, what we basically, what we just said. Yeah. I, I just, um, yeah. You, you, I like, I like, I like a busy image. I like, I like, you know, people, you know, buyers will sort of say, you know, oh, you know, you know, when you turn up, oh, sorry about this, but it's going to be really chaotic. It's, you know, it's going to be a busy house. And I'm like, that's, that's perfect. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I want, I want chaos. Yeah. yeah. Uh, There's been a lot of words so far in this episode used to describe styles of photography, mm. but how, mm. how would you describe your style? Um, I guess I describe it as, it varies, kind of between high end snapshot, which I've kind of referred to, yep just a little bit earlier mm-hmm. um, to, I guess, editorial influence documentary. Um, you know, nothing is set up, nothing's posed, um, but I do want everyone in, in the frame to look as good as I can possibly make them. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. It- so, yeah, you know, I kind of like, I you know, I picture kind of, Vogue Tatler kind of images, but with you know with anyone who is in front of the camera. I yeah, I love that. Actually, I'm I'm gonna uh, read something that I think is on your about page. I can't remember. Um, okay. And you you wrote, and I might butcher this, so I, I apologize if <laughs> I do. Um, I do believe that wedding photography should always be about the individual couple, not the kind of one style fits all approach. Your wedding photos should look like a wedding day, uh, your wedding day, not an imposed uh, style on your day by the photographer so that it starts to resemble generic wedding photos that could be interchanged by a simple Google search. Um, why, why, why do you think a lot of imagery is generic? I think because it's safe. Um, it's it's safe for the photographer and it's safe for the bride and groom. I mean, you know, there is a, there is a lot of pressure on the day, mm-hmm. you know, um, to deliver a good set of images. And I guess, you know, the, 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 the simplest way is to maybe work at a venue, you know, consistently and know where there is certain light and um, certain shapes of hedges or, you know, um, tall trees that people can look small next to. Um, but it's, it's a kind of, it's a safe, easy way of shooting. And I, and I think that does a disservice to the couple. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, it, again, it depends on the couple. Cause you know, I'll, I'll get people in, making inquiry and saying, have you shot at this venue before? Um, <laughs> as if that is 
crucial to yeah. you know yeah. to the day and it's like i would honestly rather not have shot at a venue before because that way you're completely fresh to it um mm-hmm. if i've shot at a venue a few times i start to feel like i'm just it's slightly groundhog day and <laughs> you know i think then that's when you become a little bit stale because you're just you know you can't help but kind of going well the last time i was here i got a good shot there wouldn't it be good if i did that but mm. you, you're, you're you are then taken out of the spontaneity of of the uh of the day for you know rehearsed images almost yeah i find it's even the next step is when you go to a wedding and the owner of the venue or uh the planner is like oh hey again uh, don't forget to get that shot coming down the stairs and you're like oh no please yeah i mean i mean pretty much if if an events organizer tells me that most photographers get like to um shoot the couple on these stairs (laughs) i just won't shoot on those stairs (laughs) yeah oh (laughs) man just get really contrary about it (laughs) yeah you don't want to miss the shot though come on nick the (laughs) shot come on uh so so um you, you you like you like going into preps and then someone says it's busy and you're like, yeah, that's great. I, I love all that kind of energy. Um, what mm. What is your approach then to a wedding? It's basically to turn up, shoot it and go home. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I kind of, you know, I, I don't even, I don't, I mean, I don't really even ask for an itinerary because that it, I don't kind of see the point, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm there. I'm taking photographs. If if I'm told something happens at five o'clock, um, I'm not going to miss it because I am. I'm going to be still going to be there at five o'clock. Yeah. You know, um, and I think the less the less prescriptive, you know, I can be or the remit can be, the more you know, the more the better results you're going to get because it's just the best, you know, the best thing that anyone can say to me is we've got you because we really like what you do. Now do what you do. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. You know, um, if someone, if someone sends me, you know, a spreadsheet of, of images they, they, they want, mm-hmm. then that makes me anxious. Hello. At the beginning of the podcast, I introduced the fact that we've got two sponsors of the show, with Jack, which is Ashley Baxter, who funnily enough works in this very room, and Tutenko, which, if you're wondering, is Greg and I. That's our second business. That's right, we're sponsoring our own podcast. I don't know why. No, we do know why. We're looking for more members to join our creative space. Yeah, if you want to get out of your home office and come and join some other friendly faces in Glasgow, it's quite a quite a niche advert here because it's Glasgow specific. If you're visiting Glasgow or live nearby, you can come and work here. We've got permanent desks, we've got communal desks, hot desks, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all the desks. I sound like one of those. We've got a podcast desks too. <laughs> sound like one of those ads. Like we've got this and this and this. <laughs> We've also got a kitchen with a fridge. It's got beers in it. It's got free beers. You can have beers for nothing. Yeah, so you better move quick or else they'll be drunk. That's, I mean, they've been in there for so long. They're uh, going down quite fast, actually. Are they? Tom must be hammering them. This is the Tutenko ad, and I'm buttoning in because last week I gave Greg a beer. Oh. Brewdog layer cake. You're just giving me your advent beer. Well, now I've got another gift for you, Greg. Oh, another beer you don't like? Another Brunach. 
Here's your beer number two. Give me that. See, this it's is why... It's cold. It is cold. I put it in the fridge. Oh, this thanks. is why you should be in the two tenko office because I will give you my beers for free. You can get rejected beers. <laughs> you can get my rejected beers. Anyway, back to the normal ad. Anyway, if you want to join us at Two Tenko, what's the address, Greg? We're on Washington Street in Glasgow. That's so right. you can hit us up on hit us up. Oh, that's horrible. On Instagram, two ten co underscore. Or just reach out to Cinemate on Instagram and we'll let you know the information. That's right. And if you want to be a better sponsor of the podcast in future episodes, you can do. Just write to Cinemate on Instagram or Facebook. Cinemate Films. Cinemate Films on Facebook. Cinemate Films on Instagram. Let us know. That's absolutely fine. We'll be more professional when we do it to your brand, I promise. Anyway... Back to the podcast. Back to the podcast. <laughs> Funnily enough, just before this uh, podcast recording, when we came in, um, Greg and I refreshed our, our minds to the next shoot that we've got coming up because the bride mm. had sent over a, a selection of different styles of videos. And I'm, okay. and I'm thinking, right, um, I, I usually just do what I do mm. and I'm I'm looking at this stuff and it just so happens that it seems to be doing what I already do but I'll, obviously I'll do it in my kind of way uh, so I'm less anxious but when that, when all those came in I, I wasn't uh, <laughs> I wasn't too happy about it <laughs> I was more yeah. uh, more nervous there was, the whole, there was a whole plate thing where they say oh I've got a bunch of uh, like a mood board or images or stuff that I've got do you, want, do you want me to send them over to give, give you some ideas of what we like? And it's like, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, won't change much. <laughs> it won't change much. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, a lot of it was like, um, they loved like, like Wes Anderson style framing or um, a lot of handheld, strangely a lot of handheld. So Wes Anderson is kind of famous for like doing his locked off center um, framed very stylized very sort of uniform and yes, yeah exactly with a very specific color palette and all that kind of stuff um, and then in between that she'd, she'd send over like a black and white high energy handheld styled shoot and I'm like oh, right cool and I'm just trying to think what, what can I where can I do this kind of thing and um, yeah yeah I, I yeah I think that I think that is the, the I think that I don't find weddings stressful, but the, 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 but the stress uh, can be the sort of managing expectations. Um, I did, I did a wedding in Iceland a couple of years ago and the bride did actually, you know, she said, I really like your journalistic Wes Anderson approach. And I was like, well, Wes Anderson is the opposite of journalistic. So which are you after? You know, <laughs> that was, yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. Quite yeah. often, they just have no idea what they're after. They just mm. they like what they see. No. They don't know how I mean, to verbalize that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you would hope that basically the fact that I mean, yeah, I, I guess it also slightly surprises me when they when they do come in and say this is what we like because you figure that they've employed you because you're what they like. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, doesn't yeah. It always seem to be the case. Yeah, <laughs> and all all we're really doing is just showing up and moving a camera about in a certain way mm. 
at certain points of the day. That's it. Yeah. Anything regarding style or color or uh, even even light to the majority of the day, we have no control over. So I'm no. looking at all these things and they're, they're different styles and some of them are black and white. Some of them are like, whoa, high, high, there's glitter everywhere. And I'm like, okay, cool. Um, I'm only going to look at this element that I can focus on. And then the rest will just be what it is. Yeah. But yeah. hey, hey, ho. Let's talk a, <laughs> wee, talk a wee bit about gear. Because you mentioned that you shoot like a 28 to 24 mil. So mm. that's, mm. when you think of it, that's a bit wider than what, most sort of people would expect from a wedding photographer it's like 35 85 maybe so did yeah. you find did you take a while to find that you preferred that wider lens um i, th- I took it i took it it took a while when i start when i started picking up the camera again i think when i when i when i um when i first bought a camera when I was working sort of like street art time. Um, and it was a hobby camera. Um, but because there was, you know, there was money, you know, floating about in that world, I was sort of talked into buying a Canon 5D Mark one as my uh, hobby camera, which, you know, is, is a fairly high end hobby a, camera. Yeah. That um, is one hell of a ho- hobby camera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and that came with a 24 to 70. And I think when I started, I was probably shooting around the 50 mil, 35 mil mark. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the first time I used, or the first time I think I just put on a dedicated 35 mil lens, I was like, I don't know what to do with this. There's too much space in the frame, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. And it took, it took a while for my brain to click in. And then once it, once it did, it, I was, I was like, oh, okay, I get it now. Mm-hmm. It's not just for someone's centre of a frame. It's 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 to create a kind of like to photograph something to be like more of a tableau. Um, and from thirty five, I went to twenty eight, and that, that they are really my go to go to focal you know focal lengths between those mm-hmm. two now. Um, one of my cameras is a Leica Q, which is a fixed twenty eight mm lens, so it can only be that. Yeah. You know. mm, okay. Does the fact that it's fixed help? Like, I like. Do you, does your mind think in those kind of prime numbers, or like you mentioned, starting with a zoom? But but then you, you know, you were going to the fifty end. You were going to. Yeah, yeah. You know. I, I mean, I, th- I mean, I think you know, you know, what you know. I was fairly. I think when I started, people were a little bit, you know, um, leery of of the quality of um a zoom sharpness across across the range yeah um so i sort of moved to working with primes Mm -hmm. um which obviously you know you you can only you know you can only zoom in with a prime by walking up closer you know (laughs) um i think that was a good discipline you know these days zooms are much sharper and you can just you know you can you know bang one on the camera and be fairly safe at, at, at whatever end your shooting um yeah. it's just i liked I, I just like to go wider i'll only i'll only be on around the i've got a, you know i've got an 85 um but it's really for it's a 1.2 so it's low light you know i mean if it's really dusky or you know low lit and i don't yet want to put a flash on because i don't feel that you know you know the the mood is right for it then i'll 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 put an AC5 on, but I'll stand way back and try and get that to be 
a you know a, a fifty, but just I'm less yeah. intrusive using it. Okay. Would you would you do that at like the more focused parts of the day, like ceremony or speeches? First dance, maybe, um, or 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 would you tend to go wider for those type of moments? I still, I'm still going wider um, because I think you know, speech. You know, speech is certainly you want you want the reactions of people around, um, not just the person standing up. You know, yeah. you know, with their mouth in very various states of being open and closed. You know, that's that's two shots. Um, if you can what? get a reaction around it. You know, yeah. you know, it's, it's a much more interesting photo. Yes, right. Okay, I have always thought, how do photographers choose that moment? Because I've got twenty-five frames to pick from per second, and I even struggle, even though I've captured them all. Which mm. which mouth position is the best? <laughs> <laughs> how do you t- like? And there, by the way, there's some really interesting things that people do with their mouth. Um, yeah. But I, I still don't even know. So, so that that's helpful. Reaction. Good. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I think if you can have, yeah, if you can have like four or five people in the shot with four or five varying mouth positions, then you're not going to be so het up on on you know the one person looking wrong. I think it's you know it's. I think you know you're you're photographing mood and emotion as much as you're photographing someone's face, and and that's what you know. That's why you know a wider focal length gives you. Yeah. Would you worry if I don't know, say you're shooting a top table and someone's giving a good speech, all the faces are laughing, but then there's one who's like, I don't know, taking a sip of wine, has missed his mouth. Has, Something going wrong. Something going completely wrong. Would you think, oh shit, I need to Photoshop that? If you do Photoshop, or would you no. say, no, that is actually a moment right there, and I'm so happy I caught that. Exactly, I would love that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that sounded okay. great when you described it. I know it did sound great. I, I meant more. Okay, I meant something more disastrous because that does sound funny. Uh, but yeah. What, okay. Um, yeah. Like, no, I think no. I mean, I've you know I've shot. Um, you know, I shot at a wedding um, a few years ago now where one of the, um, they had a bouncy castle and uh, it got quite late. Everyone was, you know, I think it was about 10 o'clock. Everyone had been drinking. You know, <laughs> yeah. one of the guests um, did a, you know, somersault on a bouncy castle and, and um, broke his nose. Oh, um, I'm, I'm about to, a- <laughs> right, okay. So I'm about to ask you about this photograph. It's actually my next question because it's one <laughs> of my favourite photographs that you've taken and I titled it bloody nose and I wanted to know the story about it so please please t- tell me more about this photograph and um listeners if you, if you haven't seen this photograph uh go try and find it actually is it on your Instagram Nick? I think it's on my landing page so you don't have to landing. search too hard for it that's right uh I love this f- this image and it was kind of what I was asking you kind of before um about when you would take an image or when you wouldn't and I just thought, I bet you, I bet you, a lot of people just wouldn't take that shot. So yeah, okay. So 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 there's a bouncy castle. Tell me more. <laughs> well, I mean, it was it was. I mean, it was still it's still one of my favourite weddings. It's uh, it was it was kind of a it, re- it was a very I say I like I like chaos. This was a chaotic wedding. Um, 
I think the, there was an ambulance was called out twice, neither of which was for the guy with the broken nose. Um, oh, damn, it was really? at the groom's parents' place um, on the outskirts of Essex, sort of like the, the picturesque um, bit of it. And there was, and they had a kind of a little, I guess, boating lake in in the garden. Um, someone fell into that in you know in full in full on you know their their whole suit went right under um someone was called for i think one of the bridesmaids collapsed with pneumonia and she then the ambulance was called for her an ambulance was called for someone else later on the day i can't remember why um so it was kind of it kind of had that just kind of like crazy element to it um yeah the, I think the one time that I've really been late for um, the, the sort of getting ready stuff was because the taxi driver couldn't find this kind of like old converted windmill that they were getting ready in. Um, I turned up late and they and they didn't even notice because they were running even later. And I think I think I think I think the bride was two at least two hours late for this, for her her ceremony. Um, which luckily oh, was in it was in was in the garden of, of this of this place. So it was just like um, lots of confused people sitting on hay bales, wondering when they, when she was going to turn up, which she did eventually. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, no, it was just it was just a, it was just a just a brilliantly fun wedding. Um, and so I think when when someone did, you know, I I, I went, you know, I, I was doing the dancing stuff. I think I'd probably got enough dancing at that point to take a break, wandered off. And yeah, there was a guy sitting there, you know, pinching the bridge of his nose um, with blood trickling onto his shirt. Um, I think, I can't remember if, I mean, I think I just walked straight up and took the photo um, and just, you know, mm. and just kind of like laughed. And I think I could tell, I, you know what, I don't think I knew what their mood was before I took the photo. But I, So I took it first of all, and then clock, you know, smiles and clock that they were kind of they they were amused that I'd taken it. So it clearly wasn't like this discarded moment of, you know, could you leave us alone? This guy's in pain. It was just kind of like, yeah, he's been a dick. He's broken his nose, yeah. and you've got the photo. That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, in fact, yeah. they actually, the the uh, uh, the guy that broke his nose and his girlfriend, you know, a year later they booked me to shoot their wedding. So they clearly liked it. <laughs> oh, that's amazing, Greg. Have you have you checked out this image? Um, I've not seen this exact one. I'm no. trying to find it now. <laughs> See, this this is actually the joys. Uh, yeah, that, is that that? That, that is yeah. it. Um, we've kind of this is the third episode where we've introduced video um, into the podcast, so I can actually just. Well, are you okay with me showing it on the podcast video? Nick, yeah, are you course. okay with me showing that image? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but 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 Greg, I yeah. mean that's that's hilarious. <laughs> And um, I just love the reaction of the woman in the background. She's like, oh, my God, you're taking a picture of this. What the fuck? <laughs> um, <laughs> or that's what I imagine she's saying in her head. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. It was exactly that, yeah. Yeah, that is absolutely hilarious. But the fact is, you're you looking into the, like like I said before, you, you look into the background and you're like, there's nothing there. So what the hell's happened to him? So I was so glad you, you, you filled in the story because the guy on the right, he's kind of, I think he's trying to avoid the photograph. 
He looks guilty. Possibly. He looks guilty. Yeah. is what I'm trying yeah. to say. So um, I don't, I don't know. Maybe there, was, maybe there was a fight or a dance move gone yeah, wrong should, or something. I shouldn't have mentioned the bouncy castle, should I? That's kind of killed it. Yeah, it, oh. it was a fight. There was, it was, there was a ball. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was, just, I was just, actually, I just thought of like someone doing the worm, but just yeah, not doing yeah, it right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, it's amazing. Um, I asked earlier about your approach to a wedding, um, only because a, a lot of photographers kind of take on this um, multiple hat role on on a wedding mm-hmm. day, and uh, I I myself have started to put the camera down a lot more, um, and the first thing I'll do is mingle as if I'm a guest. Like I will literally mm. talk to everyone, whereas maybe before I wouldn't bother, um, yeah. because I kind of thought, oh well, I'm just I'm just here to video the wedding. I'm I'm not, um, you know, people just see me as a supplier, so that's fine. But no one at a wedding knows who anyone else is. Maybe if it's like a yeah. you know, small wedding yeah. or, or or whatever, but a lot of people are there and they don't have a clue. So mm. I I have just started to just randomly go up to guests and just chat away as if I'm a guest yeah. uh, and you get some great like once they realize I think I've said this on the podcast before but once they realize that you're just a person you are mm. far more likely for them to open up in front of you and they allow you to get in a little bit closer like I am I, I, yeah. with you I like to shoot quite wide um but I would go up to them and put my camera up, and and as soon as they do, they know hey, it's Simon, and they'll you know they'll start doing something. Yeah, it breaks down the wall. It breaks down the wall, and I love that. And it all comes down to the fact mm. that they see you not as a video person or not as a camera person, and they know your name or or whatever it is. You're just a person. Yeah. Um. Are do you take that kind of mentality, or are you I'm- again? <laughs> I mean, I, I know you touched on this with the other question, but do, uh, are you quite open at weddings or are you quite standoffish? You're like, you're just a photographer and wild things are no, happening? I, or? I, I, I think it's, I think you've got to strike a balance. I mean, you, you kind of, you want to put people at ease, but you, so, you know, if, if I turn up, you know, say for the bride getting ready, some kind of stuff, you don't want to be you don't want to be the sort of like weird, slightly creepy guy in the background who's just taking photos. So you do, I think, need to join in the conversation yeah. and crack jokes. But then you don't want to be, you don't want to be kind of like, oh, look at me being, I'm the amusing, entertaining photographer and actually get in their way of, of you know, their their morning. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, you don't want I to always kind become... of feel you need to, you need to kind of like meet people's eye with a big smile whilst at the same time being invisible. It's, you know, it's kind of, you've got, you've just got to find the balance. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm quite happy to chat with people throughout the day if they come up to me. I probably won't go up to them. Um, But yeah, I I definitely, I mean, I I know what you mean about getting to know people and putting them at ease. If I'm ever sat down for the meal with guests, I find, I actually find that very useful because they kind of like welcome you in get to know you mm-hmm. will point things out to you. You are so sitting at a table. So you're, you're closer to the action. Um, yes. Yeah. 
And are also, you- I mean, alcohol is a, is a is a great leveler. You know, people that um, I always think people that spent the entire day trying to avoid the camera. You know, come nine or ten o'clock, when when that tipping point of booze has kicked in, will be the uh-huh. one that will be the first ones to jump in front of you with the flash. Yeah, yeah, that is that is so true. Actually, uh, there was definitely a couple of people like that at the last <laughs> wedding we shot. Like they were <laughs> dancing in front of the. They were looking out for the. They were like, "Where's the camera?" Wow, dancing in front of the camera on purpose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, man. Oh, well, actually. Yeah, when we were speaking about having the light and and seeing the mood change, there was there was a shot, and uh, so we we were hired to to stay the whole night, and obviously that is a lot of us during the dancing. Mm. Um, so we were going away a lot, but we were coming mm. back throughout the night. But we're trying not to do that. But there was one guy. One gentleman who I saw the turn. I saw the turn while editing. It was on Greg's camera. And uh, they were doing... So- they're, they're, Greg had turned the camera. They were doing something in a big group. And suddenly the guy kind of in the middle, he's like this. And he just stays <laughs> giving Greg the finger. Like, for ages. And you know what? Greg holds the shot. <laughs> <laughs> he holds the shot for ages. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh damn! Oh, I don't know what to do with that shot." <laughs> but it's it's so funny because you you do see the you do see the change. Yeah, um, yeah, you do. So, what did you do with the shot? I actually made the edit, didn't I? Did, did it? I, I can't remember. I would, oh. need, I would need to go back. It was we oh, we just had good. so much. There was so much. There was dancers and and hula hoop uh, performers and and bands. I just couldn't fit mm. it in, and I had already extended the length of the film to fit it all in. Um, which I do, I do anyway. I edit too long. I'm sorry. I just do. Um, <laughs> I, I don't mind. I don't mind holding a shot for like 20 seconds mm. to allow time to pass before something happens. But maybe like, not a shot like that. But maybe not a shot like that. <laughs> that that whole shot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. Also, Greg, he the the gentleman tried to get access to the uh, platform. So later on, he was just a little bit uh, boisterous and there was a bit of a fight. So I just thought, I'm not going to put that in. I'm not going to allude to the potential fight. Um, So I don't think it went in the film, but I did enjoy watching it. Uh, (laughs) uh, But yeah. I think think the, the kind of the rule of thumb has to be take the photo and then, and then, kind of gauge. <laughs> you know, I've you know, I've I've photographed. You know, there's one time again a few years ago, one of the guests got pretty drunk, was sitting on the arm of a sofa, and then just fell right off it. Um, <laughs> and my first reaction was to photograph it because it's a moment. Um, yeah. but, you've, but at that point in the evening, you're photographing it with flash, which draws attention to you. Mm. The boyfriend got very defensive and kind of was a bit aggro and fronted mm-hmm. up to me and said, delete that now. And you know what? I just said to him, look, I'm not, I'm, I'm not being paid to embarrass people. Yeah. I took the shot because it could have potentially been one that I didn't want to miss. Yeah. But if you don't want if you if you don't want it to go into the mix, then it I won't put it in the mix. Mm-hmm. 
That's interesting that you brought that incident up because one of our next guests on the podcast is a uh, woman called um, Kim Williams, who recently just posted on social media about um, situations that she's gotten into with men. Um, Mm. The post kind of got viral, and rightfully so. It was quite an honest and open uh, portrayal to many of the things that she's encountered as a uh, female photographer um, that men have put her through. So I'm just wondering, Mm. have you yourself, obviously you're not a woman photographer, but um, in that instant, you know, there was an angry male gentleman in your face. Do you, what, what, what what would you do in that situation? It doesn't have to know. It doesn't happen often. I mean, I think it was probably only really happened that one time, um, which is why I, you know, brought it up. Um, I yeah. think, you know, I, th- I mean, he was very kind of aggressive, um, and so I think I, I put my back up, and I, you know, I was kind of like, um, I stood my ground, um, mm-hmm. and I, I just kind of felt like. You know, because I just, I wasn't, it was, you know, it was, my headspace was just, it was a fun party. Let's take yeah. this, capture the photos. Um, so I didn't really back down and I stood up to him and I maybe gave as good as I got, but then mm-hmm. I walked away um, and thought, you know what, he was just, you know, he's been drinking all day. He was just defending, you know, his girlfriend. So I, I circled back and I went back to him and said, look, I'm, you know, I'm sorry that I, you know, flared up back at you. And then that's, that's when I said, look, you know, genuinely not here, here to embarrass anyone. That photo won't get seen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I mean, I, it's, I mean, I think women for winning photographers have to put up with no end of shit from um, lecherous kind of like drunken guests. I've, I've heard, you know, yeah. I've heard stories like that from all my female winning photographer friends. Yes. Um, yeah, us too. Uh, and when I saw that post, um, I was instantly just, you know, I, I just had to get her on the podcast because... Yeah, um, yeah, no, that would be a really interesting podcast because people do need to know that's what, you know, that that is that happens. Yeah, I've, I've lost my train of thought because... <laughs> yeah, I've lost my train of thought, but I'm 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 just I'm I'm very much looking forward to getting Kim on and and talking about this and um yeah, giving people the opportunity to think more about how they can avoid situations, how other suppliers can avoid these kind of situations on their behalf, how to deal with these kind of situations because it happens way too much. Yeah. Anyway, that's for another podcaster. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, um. But yeah, I I'm I'm not always on on the ball uh, energy level wise. So when we were yeah. talking about how I'm talking to guests all the time, um, mm. sometimes I'm I'm I, I, sometimes I'm not doing that. Yeah, you're gonna have off days and you turn yeah. up and you're like, I just don't want to be talking to anyone. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I still do. I yeah, still yeah. do, but I'm not as. It's hard. Yeah, yeah, sometimes you have to force yourself to get into that sort of spirit. Yeah, but how is yes. How do you, so when you're doing more of this sort of portrait session with the couple, how do you mm. interact with them to get sort of your style of work? Um, basically, 
just basically just chat to them. Um, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of the times, you know, people are going to say to you, oh, I'm, I'm one of these people that's really uncomfortable in front of the camera. And you're, you'd be like, everyone is uncomfortable in front of the camera. You know, there's about 5% of people that, that aren't, um, you know, and the the reason that we pay models a big bucks is, is because they're weird creatures who, who can stand in front of the camera and, and and look good. Um, so I try and really mostly distract them from the fact that it is a couple, you know, it is just the three of us and, um, get them to talk about, you know, I don't know, talk about whatever, but also let them know that this is kind of the possibly the one moment in the day that they get to chat to each other um, and decompress. Mm-hmm. So all I'll do is kind of encourage them to chat, really ignore me, but I'll mm-hmm. be, you know, we'll be walking around and I'll look for a photogenic background, mm-hmm. find one, just plonk them there and then, you know, photograph them interacting because I think that's much more interesting you know it's 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 for them it's about them so them looking at each other is much more interesting to me than than um you know people looking at the camera and feeling awkward so I I don't pose people at all very cool you would work well with many videographers because um it's kind of downtime when they're just looking at the photographer's camera (laughs) there's not much we can do with that (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah which which is which is fine that's not that's not um you know every style is different um mm. so i'm not i'm not attacking any photographers <laughs> out there that that do that that's fine sometimes i'll get them but sometimes i will get the couple to look well it's usually one-on-one if I, like if i'm doing a portrait i'll get the the bride or, or groom to look right into my lens because it's quite um it's not something that video does a lot so yeah, um, yeah, but um, here. No, I mean, I mean, you know, certainly, certainly, if, if you know, if they glance your way, you you, you know, take the photo, and mm-hmm. I guess you know, for me, it's it's about not being prescriptive. It's not. It's about not turning up with preconceived ideas for the day. You know, if if people want, you know, they'll say to me, "Oh, we, you know, there's there's no group shots on your website. Do you do them?" And, you know, of course I will because they're paying me. You know, I'm not going to be precious about it. They're, they're paying for the day. But uh, it's just that they won't, the group shots won't really be featured on my website because one group shot is much of a muchness with any other group shot. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and, and your, your photographs have so many people in them already. Like they're practically, <laughs> they're practically group shots in, in and of themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Uh, I could just I, I just imagine a couple being like, "Oh, I really like that um, that bleeding nose shot. Can can we do something like that?" Right? Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, Either hire a bouncy castle or just punch <laughs> your friend in the face. Punch yeah. your friend. You know what? I'm sure there's always going to be someone willing to punch someone in the face. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, I want to talk a little bit about equipment. Mm. And obviously we say quite often that equipment isn't important. And I suppose at the end of the day, it's it's not. Um, although earlier when you were talking about how you couldn't get your, your, your mind around a 35 and you had to yeah. change your, your thinking, I suppose there is a degree of importance that equipment does have for creatives because it does... 
I'm brain farting here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it does it does allow you to change and 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 have a different approach to taking an image, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, equipment isn't fun. What you know, it isn't fundamental. You know, the quality of the, of the equipment isn't fundamental, but you do need equipment because I, if you turn up to a wedding <laughs> yeah. with no equipment, that goes down really badly. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, so, 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 what, yeah, what, what what's do, in your I bag? Think, I mean, oh, I, I was going to sort of say about Quinn. I think you know, I think yeah. the technical perfection is the least interesting thing about a photo. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, when I think people can get a bit obsessed with you know the latest gadget and the latest thing and and how high end. I think you know what you should be first and foremost looking to capture is is the mood and emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you, you'll see, you know, see um, a friend of mine, Naomi Goggin, who shoots a lot on, on film, you know, quite a bit of, you know, quite a, num- a number of her shots will be slightly soft because, you know, they're, um, it's manual focus and you can't always yeah. get there. But uh-huh. they do look kind of, they do look beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I th- you know, equip- equipment is, I think... Mm-hmm. I think for me, you know, I mean, so you asked me what's in my bag. I've, I, I shoot with, with um, you know, good old fashioned, big clunky Canon 5D Mark III's. Um, I've got two, <laughs> two of those, two bodies. Um, mm-hmm. And then I'll, I'll you know, um, I've got the Leica Q um, as the other, um, so, so I guess the, the second or third camera. Um, the, 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 the Leica Q's are amazing in daylight but actually quite poor in low light for, for something that costs as much as it does um uh-huh. the canon is much better in low light mm-hmm. um so so yeah i'm kind of you know and i, and I haven't gone over to the, you know the sort of mirrorless in the way that a lot of people have because these cameras are still working and i you know i, I do think that you can get up to you can get you know you can get to focused on tech to the detriment of, you know, just, just capturing the, the day as it is. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's coming to you saying, oh, the, the resolution of your photo or it's just, it's just not high enough. You got, you got yeah, a better camera. No. Not coming to say that. So <laughs> why upgrade? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm terrible for looking at gear. I'm going to, mm. uh, Canon just announced the uh, R5C. I've been into that. I've been like, ooh, very cool. It's like the camera that I wanted, but now it's got no record limits and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, yeah. why, do I, why do I do this to myself? Uh, I don't know. I mean, um, yeah, I, mean, I, I kind of, I can get, you know, get, I get, I get getting geeky when you need a new camera, but I haven't needed a new camera for a long time. So, yeah. I mean, if, if you know, I, I'll, I will get asked, you know, what would you recommend as, you know, a good medium level camera or a good starter camera. And I, I just won't have any idea because I'm just not, I'm not looking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> I love that. I, I, you, you, my wife asks me questions all the time about um, software and stuff. And I'm like, I, I can't help you. I've been editing with the same software for 10 years. I'm sorry. Like, I thought yeah. you were a professional. <laughs> Professionals just work with what they've got. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know the whole industry and all the software. And yeah, it's like somebody asked me a few months back, like, Oh, what, 
What you got any recommendations for like a video editing software I can use just just to put some fun clips from my phone together? And I was like, no, because the one where I use is like a subscription for an expensive professional gear. I don't know what yeah. the entry level basic thing is. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I am, oh. I'm, you know, I'm very un, untechy. When I, when I got the Leica, I basically had to phone a phone. I phoned up a, cause it's, it's, they're basically like computers, aren't they? You know, and it's, oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's daunting. I think they should only need, they only need to do ISO, shutter speed, um, aperture, you know, I don't get why there's all these kind of like, you know, bells and whistles around them. But when I, yeah, so when I got the Leica, I just had, I phoned my friend up and said, what are your settings? And then just put it all on his settings. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair enough. Yeah. yeah I, I, I remember getting the, uh, the Lumix S5 and having been a Canon shooter, it took me a long time going through all the menus and setting everything. And I was like, oh man, I just wish it was just as easy as turn it on and shoot. I hate all the yeah. tech. I hate it all. Yeah. Um, but at the same yeah, time, I'm, I'm, I'm addicted. <sighs> I just, I, I just feel sorry for cam, camera manufacturers because, like, we're saying, "Oh, just make it more simple. It's fine." And then they like mm. they take they take one element of it. So, so with the R five C, for example, they they mm. gave all the, the all the bells and whistles, but they took out the ibis, and everyone's like, "Oh, how could you do this, Canon?" It's like, oh, fuck it, I'll calm down. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, my God. I just feel sorry for any camera manufacturer out there. You can't, yeah, you're never going to get it right. Um, yeah. a- yeah. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, I want to ask you more about your post-processing. Um, earlier when I was talking about the Glen Eagle shoot and, and talking about the photographer who was uh, trying out a new style, I do remember when he showed me the back of his camera. And it wasn't the fact that this was a new style, I don't think. But seeing it ungraded, mm. my instant reaction was, ooh, yikes, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's a rough one there. But then, you know, he, he processed them. The next day he came back and he showed me them. And I was, I was very, I, I, I'm just, yeah, the, 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 it just complemented the style very well. And it mm. made it look, it made it look like how it was supposed to look. And I know you're, you're shooting raw. I know for dynamic range, you you, you don't want to you know blow up the highlights and all the technical jargon. I know this. Yeah. I know. But and and this is why people are scared to sell their the raws. I completely understand that. But it just kind of blew, blew my mind. So I'm wondering, c- can you talk a little bit about your pro post processing? It, it, is there a lot of yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, I, I try and get it as as um, close to, you know, as close as I can in camera, um, and so there's the and so the the, the, the post processing, which is you know just Lightroom, um, is not is not massively different. I mean, there, you know, there'll be times when you learn that if you need it on if it, if the light's going and you know. 5.6, 6.3, you know, looks too dark in camera. You, but you want this, you, you know, you want a, a depth to the image. Then mm-hmm. I will shoot it on that, knowing I can lighten it fairly substantially in post. But otherwise, yeah. um, otherwise, I, you know, I think for the, the 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 most crisp, you know, punchy image, you want to get it right in in camera itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, my my my, my Lightroom you know, production is basically, you know, I've got a pre-made, 
recipe for color, and a pre-made recipe for black and white. Um, so I'll import everything and then just give it all that that the, the color finish, <laughs> and then yeah. go through go through the, you know the, the, each one one by one. And go does it does it stay that color? Does it go black and white? Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the, yeah, there's no. That's what it really is. Do I, you know, do I crop in slightly? But I, 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 I mean, I can't remember the last time I used Photoshop or, you know, mm. I mean, I don't get rid of, 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 of anything. Um, yeah. Do you, do you work alongside a lot of um, videographers, filmmakers? Because at twenty eight, uh, you we're probably going to be in a lot of your shots. Yeah, yeah, you and you are. <laughs> um, you know, I, mean, I, I, will, I will. You know, I will mention. I will say, look, you know, dude, I'm shooting what. You know, I guess for the, it, it's mostly the, the the coming down the aisle shot, or actually, if 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 you know the second camera is stationed, you know, within frame in in the ceremony, then mm-hmm. um, either I will either have a word. Or just kind of go well, you know what? The the you know the bride and groom asked for you know a couple of videographers. I can't do anything about the fact that one of the videographers is going to be in that in the frame. Um, uh-huh. I, it's, it's, I, it's it's more you know, I, and then coming back, I suppose it's walking back down the aisle. Um, I kind of go, you know, we need to be side by side, so you're yeah. you know, you're 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 not in shot, but you know, there's, there's lots of workarounds and, mm-hmm. you know, years ago it was the, the videographer had, you know, those old could, you know, could quite feasibly turn up with like an old outside broadcasting unit, which they're wow. lugging oh, yeah. on their shoulder. And it's like yeah. a sort of surface to air missile. Um, <laughs> he could kill you with that thing. Definitely. Kill yeah, you with that yeah, thing. exactly. Yeah. 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 These, you know, these days, you know, everyone's shooting on the same small cameras, so it's not as intrusive as it used to be. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, is that why photographers are always picking fights with video people? Do we need to move back to our <laughs> deadly weapons? Is that what it is? <laughs> uh, I think I think the relations between the two have, have, have chilled out a lot more since since <laughs> I think, equipment I think became so. smaller. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> We've talked a lot so far about your use of flash, but we've not really talked about why why you do use flash and what it sort of adds to your, your work. Yeah, I well, I guess I mean when I started, I I didn't use flash at all, um, and I kind of prided myself on being able to you know then that would be throughout the night. So you know I prided myself on using ambient light, um, but then after a while you kind of think well you're then reliant on for the good shots you're reliant on people you know stepping who happen to step into a band of light either from, you know, the cones coming from the disco or, or whatever. And it, I, I found that whilst you could get beautifully atmospheric shots that a flash might override, you, you're probably losing more images than you're, than you're gaining by mm. sticking to, you know, that structure. So at that point, and I think that it was around that point, I, you know, discovered Larry Fink, um, and that you know yeah. you could do you could you could have drama, and you know um, almost expressionist kind of shadows, 
with using Flash. So you're not, you're not, yes, it's not, yes, I guess the, the Flash doesn't, it doesn't look like it does to the people on the dance floor, mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel alien, I think, to people that see the image afterwards. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know a lot of photographers struggle with Flash. In fact, uh, uh, some of them even go as far as just to completely avoid Flash and just say they're a natural light photographer, which mm. is fine because that is mm. a style and a look. But do you have any like, 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 do you have any settings that you commonly use for the for for the moments that you use the Flash? Any settings? I mean, I, I like I say to you, I'm very untechy. I've kind of mm. I just work out work out, you know, what looks good on the back of the camera. Um, mm-hmm. I guess I'll kind of shoot still high. I mean, the, the, the ISO will come down, you know, I mean, I guess we'll be around 1200. Um, aperture will be at about, you know, F8, F9. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just kind of what what seems to be working, you know. Yeah. I think where you make the choice is if they are, if there is quite a bit of, you know, good light from, you know, some, some light from, from the discos can be an absolute nightmare to work with, you know, that kind of like spotty dappled light where you're like, Oh, this is horrible. Um, (laughs) So then I'm going to, you know, then I'm going to set my flash to overpower that light. So I just, I don't, deal with it mm-hmm. um but if you've got you know if you've got kind of like rays of light shooting out from you know light machines is that what they're called um if you you know that's, that's kind of dramatic then you want to turn up your iso and then mm-hmm. turn down the flash so that it's almost more fill flash and you yeah. you're not losing those kind of like are, you know those kind of like sprays of light behind them, which look 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 really effective. Mm-hmm. Cool. So so when you're testing out your settings, do you just find a quiet part of the day and just be like, click? No, that doesn't look good. Adjust, click. Like, because because obviously we only work with constant light, so flash is a completely different beast. So when you're saying you're not technical, I'm like, I thought flash was a very technical thing. So yeah, I mean, I suppose I'm not. I, I mean, there are you know, I, you know, there are photographers that will have you know three different flashes up on you know tripods around the room, and will yeah use those as you know a backlight and a and a foreground light, and um, that always seems to me like you know a dizzying world of pain. Um, <laughs> I I've just it's I've literally got one flash. It's on the camera. And I'm pointing it at you know who I want to be photographing. Yeah. Um, okay. Thank you very much for joining yeah. us today. Thank it's you. been uh, a wonderful um, long conversation. So thank you. Uh, no, it's been time. a pleasure. We enjoyed it. Um, where can people find you online? So online, it's nicktuckerphotography.com, um, and then Instagram is Nick Tucker Photo. I think that's they're the they're, they're the main places to to get me. Awesome, listeners, definitely go give Nick a follow and definitely check out some of his work because um, 
Because I told you to. Ha, there. People can find us at cinematefilms.co.uk on Instagram and Facebook at forward slash cinematefilms. We hope you have enjoyed this episode. And if you did, like I've said a million times already on this podcast and every podcast that we do, you can follow us on, no, you can subscribe to us on Patreon. Thank you. At patreon.com forward slash perspective by cinemate. For as little as a pound, you can support the podcast. And for the price of a pod... And for the price of a coffee every month, you can get access to our Q&As and any bonus content will be available there. So, yes. If you don't have any money to give, that's absolutely fine. Enjoy the free content. You can subscribe to the podcast for free wherever you get your podcast worldwide. Um, if we could ask you to leave a review, I would love you. Um, however, in the meantime, enjoy your life. You hit that bloody early. (laughs) (laughs) What have I told you about pressing the button? (laughs) Sorry. I've got one job. (laughs) I was going to give you some Mawams, but now no more. That's it. No more treats for you.